Lakeisha Gunter, and you're listening to Roar, an energetic and enlightening weekly podcast that will help you achieve more. This weekly infusion of candid insights, indispensable lessons, inspiring stories, and success strategies for living your best life now will help you on your journey to making your dreams a reality. My experience as a Fortune 50 business and tech executive has led me to meet some pretty amazing people. On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar. Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym. The acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It's a fire that is often suppressed by fear. You know, Women's History Month just wrapped up. But on the Roar podcast, we always enjoy recognizing and celebrating strong, smart, bold women and girls. And today is no exception. I'm excited to have two amazing women on the show today. The first is Serena Boston Ashby, CEO of Girls Inc. in the Pacific Northwest. Prior to joining Girls Inc., Serena spent the last 16 years as a public affairs and nonprofit executive in Oregon, as well as nationally. She will be joined later in the podcast by Amaya Gustav, a Girls Inc. alumna during the podcast. Amaya has been involved with Girls Inc. since she was in an elementary school, and she's currently a college student at Pitzer College. So let's get started. Let's welcome Serena to the show. Welcome, Serena. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you on the show. I mean, we've just, I've been so eager to have this conversation, and it's so timely. You know, as we are celebrating strong, smart, bold women, trailblazing women in varied aspects of their careers and, and trajectories, it's exciting to have you on. I know I can't wait for you to share your story and what you've been up to over the last year or so in the Portland area. And so why don't we just kind of kick off? You ready? I am ready. All right, let's do this. I always like to start the show with really asking my guests to give us a little bit of a background about, you know, who you are, where you're from, and maybe who were some of your biggest influences growing up? Wow. Who am I? Where am I from? (laughs) Who are some of my my bigger influencers growing up? Well, today I'm, I'm known as CEO of Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest, which is an amazing organization. It's the Northwest affiliate of Girls Incorporated, which is an organization that's nearly 100 years old, which is through the decades, uh, provided programming and after-school settings for youth ages 6 to 18. And that's who I am in my day job. I also happen to be a mother of two young children who I will issue as a disclaimer are orbiting all around me this afternoon as we record this podcast. And so a lot of my identity might shine through as sometimes you hear my little girls here or there. But my journey really began as a little girl. I was Raised in a family um, that was very fortunate, that was very loving and supportive of me. Also a family that was very civically engaged and cared a lot about social justice issues, political issues. Um, I had a mother who was a stay-at-home mom who around the age of 50, after 
raising myself and my brothers, decided to go back to school and get her undergrad degree and got two to, uh, masters back to back and led a nonprofit that worked with people that had legal histories to support them getting gainful employment. Um, my father was a business leader who was very well known in the Northwest and across America, was a black man in corporate America in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then built a career for himself as an entrepreneur. And they were two big influencers on me, I have to be honest, both in terms of, you know, reaching for your dreams, and uh, both were very committed to issues and serving our community. And they left a great mark on me in terms of ways to think about my life and, and where I wanted to head and exposing me to all types of community service opportunities. My father loved serving on boards of directors and I myself have served on about two dozen boards of directors. So I certainly must have got it honestly from him. But that's a bit a bit about my background and you know how I came to be, um, at least at the starting point. Yeah, I love that. Wow. I mean, just talk about, you know, the examples that you had in your mom and dad uh, sounds like uh, very strong, very smart, very bold leaders in their own right and set an example for you to do the exact same thing. And so it's no, you're right. There's no surprise here in terms of what you're doing and your passion to give back and serve the community. So speaking of just your background and your experiences growing up and, you know, just the role models that you had in your own house, it's clear to me that they they shaped you to be who you are today. And so based on those experiences you had in Portland, I know you traveled a bit, you know, what maybe stands out for you as one of those defining moments to help you really shape your roar? My experience in shaping my roar happened at a young age. Uh, I went to a church that is inside of Northeast Portland. And so for your listeners, um, Northeast Portland is, is an area that's beloved and In Portland, it's the historic African-American community and now is the home to a lot of great organizations that came forth for community organizing. And my church was in the middle of Northeast Portland that did a lot of door knocking and organizing around uh, food security and rental assistance for our neighbors. And uh, it was a project that my father signed me up for. And took me door to door to really ask people, you know, do you need money for food, for utilities? Are you able to pay your rent each month? You know, and it it struck me because, you know, my father at the time was a business owner doing very well for himself, but took the time out to reach persons that some might assume he would have nothing in common with or would want to spend time with. He had never met a stranger and certainly I think set me on that path, but What it did is it cultivated my roar because it told me that even at 11 years old, I could be helpful to someone and also speak on their behalf if they gave me permission to. And so that that spark, that loud roar was given to me to cultivate on my own at a very young age. And really, honestly, it got pretty tenacious (laughs) In, in my adolescence. You know, in full disclosure, I was not someone who really loved growing up in Portland, if I'm honest. You know, my family moved to Oregon from upstate New York when I was nine. We lived in a very diverse place. When I came to Portland and, you know, increased through my my adolescent years, Portland was not as diverse. And as a young Black girl, you know, I just was excited to get away. I graduated from an all-women's high school, St. Mary's Academy. It's an excellent school. Um, And then I went to Spelman College, a historically Black college for women. And I think my parents and my friends and everybody thought I would never come back. Um, 
And clearly, you you know that because of my day job, you know, I, I clearly reside in Portland, Oregon and live in the Northwest. And so I don't think I knew then that that roar that I cultivated would, you know, send me around the country, frankly, around the world to be able to come back and roar again in these areas and these parts. But it is it's it's very gratifying. Well, I love that. I mean, full circle moment, you know, transition from New York coming here to your point, uh, the Northwest is certainly growing to become more diverse, but it didn't start out that way. And then going to Spelman and kind of taking all that you learned and really that boldness and that confidence and that fearlessness that I think you built up here in the Portland area as a young person, I'm sure it, it just flourished the more. Talk a little bit about your Spelman experience. I mean, that university in and of itself, I mean, just we can talk about some of the notables, you know, strong leaders, Black women that have come out of that Spel- come out of Spelman University. Talk a little bit about your experience there and maybe how that shaped you and even more so helped you cultivate your roar. Yeah, it was an amazing experience, one that I cherish every single day. You know, Spelman is, is, you know, has shared a historically Black college for women. Um, it was found in 1881 by two women that received some money from the Rockefeller family to go down to Atlanta to support formerly enslaved persons on a journey towards education and ended up becoming one of the best liberal arts colleges in this country and the number one HBCU, historically Black college um, in the States. The thing that is so remarkable and certainly is true about, was true about my experience is that the diversity of Black women at Spelman from around the world, um, when we talk about the African diaspora, the women's diaspora, you know, women from different parts of the States, different backgrounds from the Caribbean, from African nations, really all over to come together to really understand our history, our heritage, and that we are there to um, enact change and to be agents of change in any field. One of the things that's fantastic about Spelman is that regardless of your your chosen major, you could be pre-med, you could be early childhood development, you could be a math and science major, Uh, You you could be a a Spanish major. You spend a year of intensive diasporic studies of understanding the history of Black persons throughout the world, as well as women's studies. And you really are cultivated in that shared analysis of who we are as a people and where do we want to go. And to be rooted in that, you know, as you take it, whether it's to the operating room, to Wall Street, to the courtroom really creates a sense of identity that says, you know, your roar is and your your roar and your identity is something to be proud of and is something that really can um, be your foundation for excellence. The academics are outstanding, um, as well as the networking. You know, I, I, there's not one week that goes by that I do not call on my, my uh, Spelman alumni network and my sisters to support me in my endeavors or vice versa. You know, I I look up and I think of all the incredible women that have graduated from Spelman, as you said, you know, Marion Wright Edelman, as an example, Um, Alice Walker attended Spelman, Rosalind Brewer, who is now the CEO of Walgreens, you know, in every preeminent we enter and we make it better from from before we came. You know, Stacey Abrams, who is on the forefront of political reform, not only in the state of Georgia, but certainly helping us understand our rights as voters and persons living in America that want to make democracy better. Stacey Abrams is also a Spelmanite. And so 
you know, I, I really enjoyed my Spelman years. I enjoyed living in Atlanta, which is a city that is highly diverse. And it was probably in 2004 that after I'd been in Atlanta for quite some time, that I got the bug to come back home. And I remember my friends were so shocked. And my father said to me, and he meant it. He said, you might've been the most expensive child out of all of your brothers. He said, between your education and everything. And he said, I thought you would never come back here. He said, don't come back. He said, you know, I think, you know, you could get a better job. There's a bigger job market. How about grad school? And honestly, because he said, don't come home, that's exactly why I decided to come home, right? right? It was almost like that challenge. Right. And so I'm so glad that I did, though, for sure. Wow. Well, thank you for just reflecting on just the impact of your experience at Spelman, right? And all the amazing leaders that you had an opportunity, I would say, to be in the same company of, right? And I mean, to your point, Spelman helped you even cultivate that roar even more. You brought it back to Portland, Oregon. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? You know, tell us about your career journey. Once you came, once you left Spelman, you you came back out in this direction. And I know you had some amazing experiences, just a executive on so many different fronts. And so talk a little bit about that journey and maybe what led you to take on this new role that I'm just so excited about, CEO at Girls Inc. of the Pacific Northwest. And that is an organization that has been near and dear to my heart since I moved to the Pacific Northwest a number of years ago. Yes, and we're so grateful for your support of us. I mean, including right up into this very moment by including myself and and my, you know, Gustav who'll join us momentarily. So thank you again for all you've done to support, you know, our organization. When I came back to Portland in 2004, it was, excuse me, it's 2005. I made the decision in 2004. I came back in 2005. I'll allow folks to do the math, but I was turning 25. And, you know, I was being very thoughtful about, you know, this fantastic, really great undergrad degree. What did I want to do with it? I'll say I was very deliberate and very thoughtful looking forward to my journey. I knew that I wanted to make change. I knew that I wanted to support the communities and the things that I cared about. And I wanted to be in leadership. I also knew that being 25 years old, being younger, being Black, being a woman, that the ability to make change was going to have to be from my own conviction and my courage. And the ability to get into leadership positions wasn't anything that I could readily assume because of my identity. And accepting those factors, but not being discouraged by them is how I set out. And so I was looking for work that would really help me acquaint myself to the issues that I cared about since I hadn't lived in the Northwest as an adult. So I started off as a school support education coordinator for another youth development organization called Self-Enhancement, Inc. Self-Enhancement, Inc. has been around since the late 80s. It started off as a a nonprofit to provide safe space for young Black boys in the wake of the the funding of, of schools as well as gang violence. And it's now, you know, a premier family social service agency in Portland that has a national reach and impact, but certainly known in Portland. And my job was to go into six schools to support girls and girls of color after school and at home to make sure that they had the resources that they needed, much like when I was 11, right? Did their parents have the ability to pay their rent? Was there good and healthy food in the house? So that they could show up ready to learn every day. And it was through advocating for a child in my caseload whose, whose mother was having a hard time that I realized that I hadn't changed my voter registration 
back to the state of Oregon. I am a registered Democrat. I Googled the Democratic Party of Oregon. The website at that point was not good. I called them up and the first person who answered the phone, I gave them an earful and just said, you know, why should I be a registered Democrat? You know, as a black woman in Oregon, what are you going to do to take care of the kids and the families that, you know, I work hard for every single day? And to make a long story short, about six weeks later, they offered me a job. And I worked for the Democratic National Committee as a, a director in Oregon. My job was to organize special interest groups, the Black Caucus, the Women's Caucus, the Rural Caucus, around a common agenda to support democratic initiatives, but also community-based initiatives. And that was my first political job. I worked on the governor's re-election of 2006, several budget measures, implemented national money into local coordinated campaigns. And then I went on to coordinate and lobby in the 2007 legislative session. And that is when I decided to run for office. And I'll just say a little bit about that and, and go right up to where I am today. But the first African-American woman to be elected to the Oregon State Senate um, is the Honorable, uh, Honorable Avel Gorley. And she's an, a, a wonderful person. She is a, a groundbreaking leader and someone that I love and has been a great mentor to me. When she retired from the legislature, my state representative ran for her Senate seat, and that opened up my state representative seat. I made the decision to run for office. I was 27, and I was, uh, out of 14 people who were initially interested in running for that seat, I was the only woman. I was the only person of color, and the person closest to me in age was 46. Other folks actually decided to move to other districts for seats that had opened up. It was a big election year in 2008, also the year that uh, President Barack Obama was elected. Other people came to their senses and said, there's no way that I wanna run for office. And so I did. I raised near, nearly $300,000. I had support of Emily's List, the business lobby, a, a lot of really great grassroots organizations. And I came in second. And it was great because I think of it like the greatest pulpit I ever had to speak about the people that I cared for, the communities, the families, the young people. And I also think it was basically the best job interview ever. You know, running for office, particularly when you run well, especially you know, even if you don't win, it opens nothing but doors for you. And then along the way, I, I was invited to serve on a lot of boards of directors, which exposed me to nonprofit management, business management, executive leadership. And that's how I you know, got my first role after staffing a lot of elected officials as an executive director, and then was invited to, uh, to trainings and such, and then became a CEO. I had my first CEO role, oh my goodness, five years ago at the Oregon Public Health Institute. And outside of that, I've either been an interim executive director, but my journey with Girls Inc. happened right around the time that I was working at the Democratic Party. I volunteered in 2006 to plan Girls Inc.'s Day at the Capitol, and that was to bring a lot of youth, I think busloads of youth, down to the Capitol to sit out on the legislative floor and be a part of lawmaking. Senator Gordley was there at the time. She hosted quite a big group of girls. And so that was my first volunteerism with Girls Inc. And then I was invited into the organization in the summer of 2020 to provide some consulting as an interim executive director as they were thinking of looking for their next executive director. 
And I don't know if it's like, you know, perhaps in 2005, 2006, when I accidentally talked myself into a job, but it's been, it's been very rewarding, much to your point, a full circle moment to come into Girls Inc. and help them think about what's next and where we want to go. Wow. I mean, again, to your point, common theme and thread, you know, using your voice, fearlessness, courageousness, being bold. I mean, while not too many 27-year-olds can say they ran for office, right? And were able to do that. But I just reflect on that roar, relationships, right? I'm sure there were tons of relationships that you built over the years and that really helped you really kind of move through some of those different roles and opportunities. Becoming a CEO at a very young age, that in and of itself speaks to your leadership. And now to your point, sitting at the helm of one of the most prolific and most impactful nonprofits in the state of Oregon, specifically focused on girls and really making sure that they have a a space and a place to reach their full potential. And so with that, you know, I think it's maybe a good time to bring in Amaya, maybe share a little bit more about her journey. I did want to press on a few things and we'll get to it towards the end because I know you have, I would say over the last few years that you've been back, really focused on giving back to the community and enabling other leaders to reach their potential. And I know you've had some, a few mentors along the way that really helped you make certain that you didn't walk away from some of these opportunities. So I love you to talk a little bit about that too and how they impacted your, your career. But let's talk to Miss Amaya. Amaya, welcome. Hello. It's so great to be speaking to you. Wow. Well, I tell you, I'm excited to hear from you because I've heard nothing but great things about you. I've seen your story all over the internet, all over the web, and just uh, your (laughs) journey in Portland and just your impact, even as a young person. So maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with Girls Inc. and maybe how that led you to where you are today. Okay. Yeah. So I'll definitely go down the timeline of the programs that I was involved in through Girls Inc. So I started Girls Inc. programming when I was about eight years old. I was in third grade. And my very first Girls Inc. experience was a media literacy after school program. So at the time, there was sort of this big boom in tech. So like the new iPhones were starting to come out, iPods, and we're seeing all of these different advertisements. And I think that Girls Inc. was really paying attention to what we needed uh, to be prepared with as we went off into this up and coming like booming tech world. So we were really looking at, you know, how the media changes our decision making and our representation in the media, how we see ourselves in the media. And that was my very, very first experience with Girls Inc. But then that sort of transitioned onto after school programming which had different curriculums, and then being a part of Girls' Council, which was more so a leadership position. We were more so voicing um, what we liked and didn't like in the curriculum so that we, the girls, had um, a voice in that. And that's how I got to participate in Power of the Purse, which is a fundraising event every year that Girls Inc. puts on. And I also did Communicare through Girls' Inc., which is sponsored by the Harold and Arlene Schnitzer program. And that taught me a lot about organizing and fundraising and also looking at different nonprofits in the Portland metro area. And Girls Inc. also was giving us opportunities to participate in really fun classes like yoga and aerial ropes. And we got to do really awesome like free trials with coding through Treehouse and Eventually, Girls Inc. teamed up with Google Made with Code, 
So we were really shifting into this curriculum of paying attention to the disparities of women in tech. And so I got to go to Washington, D.C. to meet a bunch of other Girls Inc. girls from different areas in the country. And we got to code uh, Christmas tree, the Christmas tree lights, which was really awesome. And then my final couple years in the program was through the Eureka program. And this programming was like a cohort of girls. Every single summer we met and we're doing STEM programming. So we're also tackling that disparity of women in STEM careers. We were seeing, getting hands-on activities, talking to women in STEM, getting to tour workplaces with women in STEM in them. And a lot, aside from that, we were also doing college prep. So we got ACT books and we were doing college tours and all of this was really important and eye-opening to me, especially as a first-generation college student. I didn't really have the tools and the network to know what the college admission process was like. So we were even able to talk to admission counselors on a panel through Girls, Inc., and it, ga- it gave me a really good idea of what I needed to apply to college. So that was really awesome. Absolutely. I mean, so it sounds like the access, the exposure, and the preparation really for the next steps from high school, you you were able to establish that firm foundation through Girls, Inc. Exactly. Love it. Love it. And so, you know, as you think about, you know, you, now I know you're off in Pittsburgh College and you're doing extremely well. Talk a little bit more about maybe how you think that Girls, Inc. experience allowed you to maybe shape your and find your war and really transition that energy into college. Would you say it was really the key to your your successful transition from high school to college? Yeah, definitely. And I think that when I was younger, I just had this impeding feeling of imposter syndrome. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve recognition. Like I wasn't good enough to have a seat at the table or even look at the table. So being in programming through Girls Inc., it really tapped into that roar, right? That voice that needed to come out. And that's when I truly realized that opportunities were created by me speaking up and by me completely taking control and really realizing that I did have resources through Girls Inc. I was never told no. Yeah. And this just transitioned into a whole new world of self-confidence, of empowerment, of knowing that no matter what, I I deserve the opportunities that I come across and I deserve to be a part of the bigger conversation. Wow, I love that because, you know, I think all women at some point in their lives struggle with that imposter syndrome or do I belong, you know, do, you know should I even be at this table? And I mean, to for you to overcome that uh, feeling and that thought at such a young age, oh my gosh, that just excites me, right? because there's nothing that's going to get in your way to achieving, you know, whatever your desired future is. So as you think about yourself as a future leader, you know, what impact do you want to have in making sure that you can increase equity for other youth and for other women and who may be dealing with those thoughts of, you know, self-doubt or lack of self-confidence in terms of their ability. So talk a little bit about how you want to play a role in that. I'm sure you're doing that now on your college campus. (laughs) Yeah. So also just stepping into those roles of leadership and making sure to 
be in contact to show the younger generations of girls that, you know, your voice matters and serving as the representation that I did not have when I was younger. I think that one thing that Girls Inc. really prepped us for is that we would be going off into very male-dominated working worlds, especially when we're talking about STEM. So having these conversations early on, it's like we were just completely in the know from step one. We were championed and empowered from step one. And I I definitely want to, you know, be a catalyst of that change in social equity and be that voice for young girls that are living experiences similar to mine. Wow. Amaya, what she's articulating today isn't limited to her. That's what I'm excited about because I know, Amaya, you would agree that there are a lot of other women who went through the program with you at Girls Inc. who now have that same perspective because of your experience. And that's just encouraging. So Serena, talk a little bit about how you guys are focused on creating more Amayas through your Girls Inc. programming uh, that you're developing right now. You know, I'd say Amaya is so exceptional. I mean, you hear how her sense of authentic presence and, you know, being able to account for her journey as a person, as a, as a leader all the way and her continued journey moving forward. We're very grateful that Amaya volunteers herself still to share her story about how we've been impactful to her. And we're very excited to continue to, to support her. She's a great example, almost like a case study of how when a young person, in this case, a young girl is supported at an early age and given exposure. So, you know, Amaya spoke about, you know, programming that's very synonymous with Girls Inc., which is girls groups. And those are after school settings where girls come together, really are facilitated in discussion and, and like a training through our vetted and evidence-based uh, curriculum, right? Body positivity, safety, media literacy, and understanding tech. You know, who are you as a person? You know, how to be thinking about yourself to the words of strong, smart, and bold, which are the keywords of our mission. And, you know, when that seed is planted in a young person's head and heart at a young age and they remain through, they matriculate through curriculum-based programming that gets at their, their self-esteem, their self-acceptance, their sense of confidence and worth, and then they're exposed to you know, careers, trainings, hands-on experiences that are good for their brain development, but also get them ready to cultivate their voice, planning skills, and then towards career you know, envisioning. And so with the Maya, you know, what we do, what Amaya experienced is certainly what we cultivate, right? Just the spectrum of matriculating through our Eureka program, you know, is a banner program throughout Girls Inc. Uh, and, and for us, it is a way for our youth to have, you know, youth training and leadership through a STEM focus. And Amaya was able to get college, you know, readiness and training and support for her family, as she navigated through the college, you know, preparation and, and application process. And so that is what we do. You know, Amaya is an, an, an excellent example of a youth who not only did we provide services for, but to be frank, signed up for everything, wanted everything, seized everything. And it is a two-way street, right? You know, we want youth that are excited and enthusiastic 
but also know that they may need that support to participate and to be engaged. And once they do, the sky is the limit, you know, and they will ask for all of the things that we have to offer. And so through our girls groups, leadership council, which is more hands-on and specific training around advocacy, and then Eureka, which is our STEM and career, uh, college and career readiness program. You know, we feel like at every turn, we can support our youth throughout the Northwest to find themselves, to find their voice, to find that roar, and to move towards their, their sense of destiny. You know, what we want in the world are young people who are resilient. The world is, the world is a difficult place. You know, there's a lot of things that our youth see with their young eyes that maybe us as adults, we're just more accustomed to now that would easily have them scared and discouraged. And what we want in them as young eyes who are seeing things that are happening in the world, whether it's violence against women, violence against, you know, transgendered persons, violence against, you know, black persons, you know, BIPOC people, you know, climate change, you name it. What we want them to see is that they should not be deterred and discouraged and that there is a place for them to either be problem solvers or that they certainly can be self-determined towards their own destiny. Um, I'm very grateful to Amaya that she experienced that and is still experiencing that and that we played a part in her journey to, to, to be who she is today. Wow, I love that, right? I mean, there's not a whole, I mean, to me, it's just a mic drop moment, right? It's just, to your point, a great example of, when we engage youth, when we engage them and provide the support and resources they need and get out of their way, oh my gosh, the sky is the limit. And that's exactly what Girls Inc. does all the time. And so, I mean, at the core of it, I also I also reflect on the word mentorship because Amaya has been mentored through the process. And I love to maybe have each of you talk about the importance and the value that mentorship has played in your lives and your success so far. Amaya, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. So what mentorship means to me is, you know, like an equal partnership, like you're just learning along the way. And it's not only just academic, it's in all areas of life, things are touched on by working with a mentor. And specifically through Girls Inc., I consistently talk about how I was championed constantly through this program. And I had many different mentors, facilitators who facilitated the girl groups, who who facilitated Eureka. It just creates a mode of trust throughout the programming, but it's also empowering in the sense that they see in you what, you know, you might not see at the moment in yourself. And they're reiterating this to you consistently. It's, it's a consistent drive. And as you guys were mentioning, you know, you are given, when you're given this consistent mode of trust and validation and support, you become this, this completely new being of, you know, just a leader and someone who is a go-getter, someone who wants more for themselves. And this self-confidence just booms through that. And I can't thank Girls Inc. Programming enough for shaping me into the really strong leader I am today, the strong woman I am today. And the mentors that I met along the way completely, completely added to that journey. Wow, that's awesome. I'm so touched right now. You know, mentoring for me in the same vein, you always hope, sometimes I think of it in my head as like a fairy godmother, right? Somebody who you don't think 
you think that you're, you know, you're going through trials, tribulations, unsolved problems, barriers, the glass ceiling, you name it, uncertainty of yourself, and that like nobody can see you. And then maybe there's like a fairy godmother who comes out of nowhere and says, I am your fairy godmother and I've been seeing all along what you've been going through. And I've had a few of those throughout my career and my personal life. You know, some of us are very fortunate that maybe through a formal program, such as Girls Inc. or through something else, maybe you've had a mentor who's been assigned to you and that relationship has become sacred throughout your life. I was someone that had mentors at various stages and phases, you know, those that helped me, you know, hone my voice as a public speaker, those that opened up doors for me as I was raising money to run for political office, you know, those that, you know, exposed me to what it was like to deal with conflict management, you know, and microaggressions and really how to hold my own in spaces where I was not invited to. You know, I've had fantastic sort of scenario-based mentors who have either shown up right on time or have been there for me, you know, on the forefront of where I've been going. In terms of Roar, and we talk about relationships, it's been those relationships that I've had to fall back on. We had a, a pretty bad winter storm here a few few years ago, and I, I hadn't been into my office for a few days. I came in and I, and I had a, a call from a woman who said, you don't know me, we have some friends in common. I promise I'm not trying to sell you something, but call me back. She was a member of the International Women's Forum, which is an outstanding international group of women, exceptional women. You talk about your firsts and your onlys um, across the world, your first women prime ministers, CEOs, you name it. The International Women's Forum is a, is a preeminent international organization of women leaders, and they have a leadership foundation fellowship where leaders from across the globe are chosen to go through a year of rigorous leadership and executive training. And the Oregon Forum invited and sponsored me an application of that fellowship. And um, through that, I was in a year of training. And that's how I completed my executive training at Harvard Business School, as well as NCI, the European Business Institute. The women that, you know, thought enough of me to sponsor my application and my years-long rigorous training were women that had seen my journey all along and had mentored me at different levels or actually were peers to me in some way, but were within the forum. And so I think of, you know, the blessings and the doors that have been open to me. And one thing I would say is, you know, outside of what has been provided for me, I've been very conscious to make that space for others as well. There's seven jobs in my background where I was the first person hired in that role, seven times. Tricky jobs, as you can imagine, being the first. And I was able to be deliberate in, in terms of who replaced me. Each time it's been someone from a diverse background who knocked it out the park, who did the role even better than I did. And that's something that I feel proud of. It's something that I will always practice, good succession planning, thoughtful succession planning. I've also found it in charted organizations dedicated to women's leadership and those of diverse backgrounds, political action committees as well. And those have always had mentoring components. And so, you know, to whom much is given, much is um, expected. And I believe in that, in that saying. And so the important thing is to always give back. I look forward to working for Amaya one day. I know that's and right. I mean it. And I mean it, right? You never know who 
will end up being your boss one day. I had the person who gave me my break in 2005 and six at the Democratic Party. We worked with each other at a, at a private held firm the last three years. And I was the partner in the firm and he was the principal. Technically, I was his boss. And so, you know, you never know when a younger person will find their journey and end up becoming the boss and you work for them. And I will be only so fortunate if Amaya is my boss one day. And I really do honestly look forward to it. I can't wait. I'm telling you, I, I agree with that statement. You know, I always heard to you on the way up, you need to be careful because at some point things change and you might be working for that person. Absolutely. And the great story you just shared, right? And there's so much value in appreciating every person's voice at the table, no matter who they are, their background, their age, where they come from, right? And I think to your point, you, your break came from a guy who didn't look like you, but who said, I see her. I hear her and I know she can bring value to the table. And then the tables were turned a number of years later and you guys continue to just pick up where you left off, right? Yes. (laughs) And he chuckles in it. You know, it gives him a lot of gratification. He's a white, he's a man. You know, when he picked Mm -hmm. me for the role, he got a lot of pushback. There were, you know, young white men that had some political work under their belt that, you know, there was a lot of pressure to hire them. I had never really worked on anything political, And I was new to returning back to Oregon, but he said, no, just as you said. And, you know, that was a way of using his power, his position to set a path for somebody else. And, you know, here we are, you know, years later, you know, we worked together before I came to Girls Inc. permanently and uh, he chuckles about it. And it's, it's like a bragging right for him. And it makes me feel very proud too. So yes, you never know. You never, ever know. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, I can talk to you ladies all day because talk about empowering, just, just being on this podcast with you guys just gives me so much energy it, to, to just make sure that I can continue to uh, use my voice for good, to continue to to walk in a, in a way that allows me to be strong, smart, and bold. And so I just thank you for sharing. And so before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask either of you that you want to make sure that you share with the audience before I enter into a fun lightning round of questions? If I could put a plug in for, for Girls, Inc. of the Pacific Northwest, we're always looking for, you know, volunteers and persons such as yourself, Lakeisha, you know, you were a personality, which was, you know, our our very well celebrated fundraiser that happened every spring where we highlighted a notable person and this person designed a purse that we auctioned off to raise money for us. You know, we are always looking for persons such as you, Lakeisha, that has their own roar, their own story to, you know, um, be within our program. Maybe it's hosting a session about your your story, the work that you do. So we're always looking for persons to expose our youth as fine examples of, you know, to where they can go. Always looking for volunteers to support our girls programming. I'll put in a necessary plug that this year we are having our very first strong, smart, bold brunch, which is a virtual brunch that's happening um, April 23rd. You can go to our girl website, which is girlsincpnw.org. And that brunch is a one hour virtual event that you can look at in the comfort of your office or home to learn about all of our programming and the impact that we have hearing directly from our youth. And so I invite, you know, your listeners to register and participate. It's free to attend. If you would like to register for uh, at a cost, we have an amazing brunch basket that can be sent to your home to enjoy, but there is no cost if you would like to see 
and learn about us. And so that is what I'd like to share as my last statement. But then, of course, gratitude to you, Lakeisha, for hosting us and certainly gratitude for Amaya, who is a busy college student. Yes. <laughs> the time from her schedule to, to speak with us. I will always be grateful and sharing space with her. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. And that luncheon, I will be there. Thank you so much. And I hope all my I can't listeners wait to see you virtually yes, yes. will join. And so Amaya, anything you want to share before we wrap up? And again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think building off of that, you know, the continuity of mentorship and sharing experiences is just so important. I think that as a young black girl, I I, that's exactly what I needed. You know, I needed to hear others' experiences, other women, other leaders who were really my inspiration and my, you know, my baseline drive to really become who I am today. So super grateful to Girls Inc., super grateful to all the women who shared their stories with me and empowered me in that way. And thank you so much for hosting us today. Yes, absolutely. And again, my plug is for, you know, I always tell my friends that, and folks that I meet, you know, just about the, the power of Girls Inc. And I'm just so grateful for the folks in my pri- in my previous role at Intel, Jill Island, um, Kim Harv, Carrie Karkeek, all those women, and Elizabeth, to your point, the former executive director who shared with me the awesome opportunity to partner with Girls Inc. And so I, it is just part of you know, my, for me, it's important to be always be connected to girls. And, and to your point, Amaya, just taking, a, you know, a half hour out of our lives to invest in a young person, you know, could certainly change their lives. It certainly gives them an opportunity to see what they can be. And so I just love, love, love the organization. So thank you again for your time today and sharing your story. It's truly inspirational. And I absolutely believe that, you know, our goal should be, and my listeners, and if it's not Amaya, you know, just reach out and touch a young girl right? Find a way to give back. And it may not be Girls Inc. because you may be somewhere across the world and you're not in our in our area, but it's just so important for us to reach back and even carve out 30 minutes because um, I know for me growing up, it was important to have, to, to your point of my answer, that community of people that believed in me, pushed me, nurtured me, um, spoke those things into my life so that I knew that there wasn't anything that I couldn't do I put my mind to it and had a little bit of support. So again, I'm just so grateful and really excited that we had the opportunity to share today. Absolutely. It's my yes. pleasure. Wonderful. Okay. So we're going to wrap up with a fun lightning round of questions. I'll say a word or phrase and you guys can tell me the first thing that comes to mind. So Maya, we'll let you go first and for this, for each one. And then Serena, you can tell me yours too. So what's your favorite food, Maya? Popcorn. It's not really a oh. food, but... <laughs> Oh, I like that. So different flavors, huh? Yes, so many different varieties. Ah, what's your favorite? You have a particular um, brand? My favorite is definitely kettle corn. Okay. Yes, I love kettle corn. I have to <laughs> I have to walk away from it because you know once you start, you eat the whole bag. Right. So, all right, Serena, what about you? A cinnamon raisin bagel toasted with extra butter. Okay, clearly you've thought about this. Okay, I love that. <laughs> all the way down to the detail. Okay. It's my favorite thing to eat. Oh my goodness. I love that. I'm going to have to try it. Okay. Both sound amazing. Um, I love it. So guilty pleasure, Amaya, if you have one. Uh, Binge watching TV. I love TV. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm behind on a couple of shows right now. Uh, Serena, how about you? I love curating memes. I love, I have a folder (laughs) on my phone of 
several dozen memes. I love this. I think we need to get insight into that, right, Amaya? I think we definitely do. We need to look into that a little bit. (laughs) I love it. So maybe your favorite book or a book you're reading right now. I, I'll say the book that I'm reading for class. It's The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Very sad, but yeah. lots of talking points there. Opens up yeah. a lot of discussion. Mm-hmm. Especially now. Yeah, I love that. Serena, how about you? I think my favorite book is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Another amazing American writer who happens to be a Black woman. There, I read that book when I was 12. It made me feel very grown up. To just understand the journey of what a Black woman goes through in this world. Right now, I'm doing my best to read my Harvard Business Reviews. Those aren't books, but they're <laughs> magazines know, that come to my, my, my mailbox. And, you know, it's, I, I just love it. I geek out on them. And so I'm trying as a working professional and a, and a mom of two young, of two young children to, to read as much as I can when I can. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Love that. So current Netflix addiction, if you have one, Amaya. I was just watching Bridgerton. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm Amazing. An avid TV watcher. So I have seen it all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about what's happening with season two. We're so excited, but one of our favorite characters is not going to be there. So I'm just oh trying to gosh. make it through. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Serena, how about you? I know about popular culture because I curate memes. Right. (laughs) But I don't watch it as fast as I I should have seen some of Bridgerton. But on Netflix, I loved Cobra Kai, which was like the Karate Kid revamp. Mm -hmm. So I got super into that. I loved Cobra Kai as well. But you I'm sure you're probably watching a lot of kids because your yes, girls are basically if you turn to Netflix, it instantly goes to the kids' setting. So that's exactly. where I'm at in my life right now. I love it. Well, what about a dream vacation? I mean, hopefully pretty soon our world is gonna get back to a new normal. And if you could travel, what would that dream vacation be? I would love to go to Indonesia. Yes, I love yeah. that. I would love to go anywhere where it's clean. And I can sleep without being disturbed. The food is made for me. I can wake (laughs) up and just be by myself and then go socialize with people when I want. And then I could wear something fancy and beautiful at night. This is definitely the fantasy of a working professional that would love some quiet time. I love that. Am I it doesn't matter where it is. It could be the high <laughs> desert. It could be a resort. It could be a ski lodge. That it would be the greatest vacation for me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that too. How about you, Amaya? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, well, listen, ladies, again, I just want to say thank you so much for just coming on to the Roar podcast and sharing your amazing and inspirational story. So with that, I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your day, but it has been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you very thank much. You. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.